Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Lalit, thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you Ashish. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to connect with you. Wonderful. So Lalit, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself first then we'll talk about your venture. So Ashish I'm I'm an entrepreneur uh for like you know at heart I would say more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I by qualification I'm a mechanical engineer. I've worked in various industries starting from automotive uh financial industry in the US, technology industry uh all these industries in last 25 years uh this is my fourth venture uh, that i have now that i'm running now and mm-hmm. uh, this i've been running for 12 years which is decimal technologies uh right now i also run a few schools uh, rather like not not few schools i would say one school is which i run but i started a few schools uh, mm-hmm. which we have been running for last 6 years and the idea is to make sure that we are we make the metro like education available in tier 3 towns that that was the whole thought behind that mm-hmm. uh, and in this decimal technologies uh, i i manage i i was one of the co-founders and i manage product strategy customer relationships and we we are trying to change the technology world and the lending space uh, through digital that's what we are trying to do and me personally i've spent about 4 years in US working in the financial sector I have worked in private equity private equity sector for uh, almost about 2 years before I started decimal and uh, I am a management graduate from Ahmedabad oh lovely so uh, it's very interesting lalit that you mentioned it's your fourth venture and uh, you have previously worked in corporate so i always ask what sort of made you you know shift gears from working in a corporate if i can say so little comfortable life and then being an entrepreneur it's all dif- it's a, it's a different ball game altogether so ashish i think there is one spirit which is uh, which i uh, i think is the most important for these transitions to happen and that spirit is not not settling for what you have always wanting something more than what you have always wanting something more from life so look the whole idea is that in corporate your ability to uh, extract more from life is quite limited not that it's not there but it's limited there are too many factors that play a role and in entrepreneurship the whole idea is that uh, there is nothing between you and the sky so you can you know you can always keep wanting more from what you have or uh, you want to always extract more from life which is quite possible in entrepreneurship uh, more as compared to corporate life so i think that's one spirit which uh, pretty much pushes most entrepreneurs into entrepreneurship uh, and that's the spirit which kind of you know uh, which makes you start maybe multiple ventures you you start one you fail you succeed but you know you want to move to the next level you want to extract more from life so i mm-hmm. think that's the mantra that i i would say uh, which drives most entrepreneurs uh, and in entrepreneurship the whole idea is that this entire possibility of extracting more uh is far higher is far higher as compared to corporate life mm-hmm. uh, and that's why that's why it's kind of more a uh, sense of accomplishment uh you enjoy the journey more mm-hmm. and that's why i keep switching back to entrepreneurship i've been an entrepreneur moved to corporate life but moved back to entrepreneurship so i think mm-hmm. that's that's a spirit mm-hmm. got it and uh, one frequent question we keep getting from our listeners you know how do you i mean you have started for companies how do you sort of identify that product or service if someone is looking to start i mean what was your thought process when you started decimal um, were you clear on the idea or it was something you pivoted to and identified so walk us through that sort of journey of discovery you know dis- discovery and experimentation when one entrepreneur goes through what was your thought process sure so if you look at uh, there is definitely clarity uh there was clarity when we started decimal and one clarity that i've had uh whenever i started a business the whole idea was you're solving a real problem you're solving a real problem and there are people those who are uh those who have that problem those who are facing that problem day in day out uh so that's 
that's the clarity that you know uh, at least we had when we started decimal but at the same time within the lifespan of about 12 years that we have spent at decimal now we have pivoted uh, at least twice we have pivoted and the whole idea is the world is changing so fast that you want to um, your aspirations change the market changes market dynamics change mm. so you have to keep pivoting uh, mm-hmm. but at any given point in time the clarity on the problem that you are solving what problem whose problem and how you are solving that problem that clarity is something that is a must have is what i would say not having clarity on these issues is a problem area in itself in entrepreneurship so when we started decimal the whole thing what we were trying to solve was that there is a lot of workforce for corporates which works away from offices especially sales people uh, people those who are uh, either delivering stuff or those who are booking orders those who are selling services so those people spend a lot of time away from offices and they need to either communicate a lot of information back to offices or they need to get a lot of information from their head office or central base location uh, so which was for that they had to travel back to office they would kind of you know they would submit a lot of reports that they had to prepare on paper that typically used to be called as dsr daily sales report or any of those reports so th- that was kind of highly inefficient way of managing this entire business process so we we were just wanted to make that this entire process of managing uh, or information exchange between the base location and the sales people or kind of service people uh, more efficient that was a problem we were solving and fortunately timing was right because mobility had just kicked in at that time android was launched ios was iphone was launched in 2008 2007-8 and uh, android was also launched like sometime after that so we were we were very rightly timed and we picked up we wanted to pick up uh, we wanted to leverage this mobility to solve this problem so that was the initial thought when we started decimal and our first couple of clients that we uh, that we acquired this is exactly what we were doing we were just using mobile applications on smartphones or feature phones because that time smartphones were not very popular smartphones were barely kind of you know the, the penetration of smartphone was barely about 5% so we were we were like you know trying to solve this problem on feature phones and smartphones and it was rightly timed that was a problem we were solving but we have pivoted twice in last 12 years and now yeah. the problems that we solve now are far more complex uh, and you know uh, the, the number of clients or whose problem we solve that segment has also changed a little mm-hmm. uh, so tell us a little bit currently at decimal uh, what's the problem statement uh, you guys are solving So if we look at uh, we look at two ma- three major problems that you know especially uh, the BFSI industry is going through. The first one is that the demand uh, of for digital from the customer is one quite large, and second, it's happening at a very accelerated pace. So customer is adopting digital uh, like you know faster than ever before and more than ever before. so whether it's smartphone penetration or ease with which the applications customers are wanting to adopt that's that's phenomenal so one thing that bfsi industry is struggling with is they are not able to match the pace of demand of digital that's first problem second even if they want to match uh, they 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 kind of they kind of encounter the problem of skill set gap the skill set that's needed today to match the speed of demand is practically not available for two reasons one nobody anticipated this demand couple of years back and second right investments were not done uh, in in kind of creating the skill set mm-hmm. so now what has happened is that that skill set which is needed to meet this demand is not available in that quantum in which it is needed one second uh, the variety of skill set that's needed because of the technological advancements that have happened in last couple of years is kind of far uh, more than what it used to be couple of years back today the number of technology skills that you need to deliver an enterprise applications is at least one and a half times of what you needed in 5 uh, years back so for these uh, skill set gap because of lack of investment and the variety of skills is the second problem that industry is going through and third problem is that you know large portion of their business comes through physical uh, processes so their ability to focus mm-hmm. on the digital itself is quite diminished mm-hmm. so 80% business is coming through physical 
you want to kind of convert that physical to digital, but you have to run the business as well. And run the business consume consumes your 80% focus or 90% focus. So digital does not get as much attention as possible. So these are three problems that, you know, the industry is kind of going through. And we are trying to solve these problems. So if I look at, you know, what we are trying to solve is we are trying to make sure that we are able to deliver digital at the speed, uh, which is far more than what is happening today in the industry. And we want to be very close to the demand of kind of beat the demand, I would say. Second, we are trying to minimize the number of skill sets that are needed uh, for meeting this demand. We are also trying, no, not trying, we are doing actually. Let me let me not even say we are trying. <laughs> uh, second thing that we are doing is that uh, we are reducing the investment that's needed in the skill set to fill the skill set gap. We are reducing the investment in terms of number of people needed or the kind of, you know, the, the skill levels of people that are needed uh, to kind of plug this gap. And mm-hmm. third, when you solve these two problems, your ability, so if you're able to deliver quick success, then, you know, you're able to grab attention from the right stakeholders in the organization. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, once you have shown some success, early quick success, then CXOs of the organization, they kind of, you know, they align much faster than, you know, otherwise they would have. So then the entire the inertia of this digital uh, initiative is far more and then you are able to kind of you know drive it through the organization so mm-hmm. that these are the problems that we are solving and we are solving it, these problems through uh, two of our uh, platforms that we uh, that we take to the market today mm-hmm. the first one is vahana which is a low code application platform and second is a lending marketplace uh, which is for digitizing the physical world of lending Okay, so do you manage the entire uh, end-to-end chain in digital lending or particular applications? The complete journey. So so if you look at, uh, let's understand what is, in digital lending, let's try and understand what is most, what is, which portion of the process is most physical. Let's Mm -hmm. first understand that. Mm -hmm. If you look at, you know, uh, most of the banks or lenders, uh, their loan management system, which is the systems of record, records where they kind of, you know, compute interest or they kind of, you know, manage EMIs of the customers or do customer servicing. That piece is fairly digitized uh, because the regulator, managing regulator without that, that digital would not be possible for anyone, anyone today because Correct. the amount of records that people manage is huge. So it's, you have to digitize that. So that piece is already digitized. Mm-hmm. So before this, there are three more pieces in the value chain. The first piece is uh, the reach to the customer and onboarding the customer. So your reach to the customer and onboarding the customer is piece one. Second piece is your entire decision-making that you are able to make a decision whether to lend or not to lend. Mm -hmm. And third piece is entire fulfillment. Once you have decided that you want to lend, you want to follow a certain workflow and process to actually disburse the money. Mm -hmm. So if you look at uh, the piece which is least digitized are the first two pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the fulfillment process is also digitized with many organizations which are of significant size. At least for the banks, I can say that most of the banks, this entire fulfillment piece, that the entire process that they follow internally inside the lender organization is quite digitized. But the first two pieces, which is onboarding the customer and the customer reach piece, mm-hmm. and second, uh, this entire decision-making is not digitized. It's barely digitized for 10, 20% of the business that's done in the lending space. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest problem that, you know, lending industry is going through. So we are solving the first two ones. We are not focusing on the third and the fourth one in lending marketplace business. Uh, mm-hmm. We do solve the other two as well when it comes to Vahana. Uh, but in the lending marketplace, we solve the first two problems. And how do we solve that? Let me, let me try and explain that. Mm-hmm. If you look at... Uh, the, the entire, if you segment the entire lending business, it's it can be easily segmented into, I'm talking of retail lending largely. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be segmented into three channels, uh, direct to customer channel, mm-hmm. reach customer through your organization, uh, whether it's through branches or through your sales team, uh, but your organization reaching out to the lender organization, reaching out to the customer. And third one is that you use all external channels 
to kind of get customers to acquire customers now those external those external channels could be uh, smaller fintechs those who are sourcing customers and passing on those customers to nbfcs and banks but the largest portion of the business is happening through physical dsas mm-hmm. so today if you look at 60 to 70% of lending happens through dsas so there if you look at the digital spend that's happening in the lender organization even in the first two part sub processes in, in the value chain uh, either it's happening in d2c so each bank or each lender is trying to create a website or you know a application which is to be used by the customer to kind of get a loan that thing is being taken care of but that is only 10% of the business other spend that many of the lenders are doing is like spending money on creating applications for their workforce either in branches or in the field to do efficient onboarding and mm-hmm. some piece of decisioning which is again mm-hmm. another 20% of business but 60 to 70% of business which is coming from uh, just the dsas uh, that is something which is not not digitized today that mm-hmm. that many lenders tried to digitize that once the covid set in uh, during the covid times many lenders tried to do it but with very limited success and the reason for that limited success is no dsa no channel partner is committed to only one lender so if one lender provides a system and if let's say i as a channel partner work with five lenders i have at least five systems to work with mm-hmm. it becomes it rather becomes more inefficient for me to use systems so somebody from outside of the lender ecosystem had to do it and we think we are absolutely uh, perfectly placed in that space uh, we have decent connect on the lender in the lender ecosystem we understand the process of entire lending and we have the platform digital platform that can be used by these channel partners so today we are solving the problem of these channel partners uh, now this this problem is not of the channel partners alone this problem is of the entire lending ecosystem and i would i would rather call it like a national problem because this is limiting growth of the gdp itself mm-hmm. so this is uh, this is stopping us from bridging the credit gap so that's what we are solving today so if i understood correctly in the segment which you talked about the, for the lenders channel partner um Uh, your goal is to provide sort of a unified application where all the applications can be integrated and um then the piece can be managed is my understanding correct or i'm off absolutely absolutely okay. so the whole idea is that for a dsa mm-hmm. uh, he should be able to onboard the customer uh-huh. without keeping a specific lender in mind okay because it's it's because the whole idea is the moment you bring in a lender first then you are actually uh what do you call uh, crowding out rest of the lenders where i could have got a better deal mm-hmm. imagine you know you pick up a loan application for a specific bank now the customer may not get a best deal from that bank you would want to give the best possible deal to the customer True. in terms of the interest rate in terms of how how quickly it can be disbursed mm-hmm. or what are the what are the best terms for him mm-hmm. now what we do is we allow the channel partner to do a lender agnostic journey mm-hmm. and then our recommendation engine kicks in mm-hmm. which is able to tell the channel partner that this profile of the customer this income level this bureau score and this kind of you know risk profile is most suited to be serviced by these lenders at mm-hmm. these prices mm-hmm. so okay. then lender makes then the channel partner is able to make a much more informed choice and once the channel partner makes a choice then we integrate with the lender to push this entire loan application digitally into the lender system okay which is which is lender specific right right absolutely and how do you sort of then um, differentiate uh, with the competitors right i mean fintech space has seen so many entrants in the last let's say 5 years or so left right center i mean uh, from offering infrastructure to uh providing application or uh, becoming sort of full stack in terms of offering the platform and partnering with the lenders also so how does someone differentiate um uh, in such a heavily competitive market so great i think great question so if you look at uh, uh, the whole idea is that uh, you cannot focus on all aspects of the value chain all the time or all stakeholders of the value chain at all the times you cannot hmm. no organization can do that you have to you have to kind of you know identify the focus area you are in 
So imagine, you know, a company which is focused on acquiring customers directly, right? Uh, and so their maximum bandwidth goes into acquiring customers because that's not easy. None of the pieces is easy, but you know, that uh, you have to kind of, if you compare the amount of focus that's needed, if you are busy with acquiring customers directly, then that takes away your uh, investment in terms of focus, time, money, that takes away investment. If you are somebody who are who's kind of focused completely on uh, kind of you know uh, doing decisioning or doing lender integrations, then you can't acquire customers. You can't focus on acquiring customers directly. So you cannot be uh, all over the place and do best. It's it's quite less likely for uh, organization of startup size. And when I say startup size, I don't mean size in terms of financial numbers, in terms of age, in terms of maturity, in terms of the, the kind of, you know, the, the maturity of the organization. It's impossible for an organization to do that. So if you look at uh, what we are focusing on is we are focusing on not acquiring the customers directly. So we wanted to give up that focus first because that if we focus on that, then doing a great job on lender integrations with 100 lenders would not be possible mm-hmm. because each lender integration, understanding lender policy and creating a recommendation engine uh, also would have, it's, it's quite time consuming. It's quite a focused area. It needs quite significant attention. So we said, let the customer acquisition be done by channel partners. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to focus on acquiring customers directly because once you acquire a channel partner onto your platform, then you get a stream of customers and not a customer. So mm-hmm. you you get a stream of customers, which is regularly flowing month on month. Now the entire focus for us is making DSA business channel business as efficient as possible, as scalable as possible. So we're doing three things for that. We are laying digital rails, which is like, you know, anything that channel has to do with the lender, whether it's in terms of payout, in terms of policy decisioning, in terms of the file flowing from the channel to the lender, that needs to be digital. That is the first thing that we are doing. Second thing we are doing is we are trying to make the channel as intelligent as possible, which means... We don't want the channel to make decisions only because of uh, his uh, smaller reach or he has got relationship with two RMs and, you know, one lender. That's why he's kind of, you know, giving entire business to uh, two RMs and one lender or two lenders uh, because that's not going to get him any growth. That's limiting his growth. So we are trying to give him the entire intelligence, which file, which customer can be serviced by which lender in best possible way that gives him better credibility with the customer that gives him faster turnaround time for the customer, which actually means faster growth for him. And third thing that we are giving this channel partner is uh, avenues for growth, which is in three ways. Uh, We want to give him ability to reach out to more customers, which is by creating uh, a digital platform for him, which he can, you know, generate leads, but we are not doing it for him. We're only giving him the platform. Right. He generates leads, he kind of you know, qualifies them. He does all of that on our platform. Second, we are giving him reach to maximum possible lenders because a particular DSA is able to work with, uh, a typical DSA works with about two, three lenders. A little larger DSA works with about 10 lenders. Uh, only two, three DSAs uh, in the entire country would be working with you know, 40, 50 lenders or, or more maybe. Uh, uh-huh. But what we are saying is that every DSA will have access to 100 plus lenders. Got it. So that's that second and third thing that we are doing is we are giving them access to more products. So today, uh, one DSA who's doing home loans, he continues to do home loans even when the customer wants a, a maybe insurance policy as well or maybe a credit card as well. So he's not able to end cash on the needs of the customer. So these are the three things that we are doing to kind of, you know, uh, make sure that he capitalizes digital to grow faster. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting, Lalit. And do you have, if you have some stats uh, uh, with you in terms of how many, let's say, um, channel partner we are looking at, Ban India, or, you know, some stats uh, uh, for our listeners to understand yeah, you know, what sort of market size we are looking at. Then. Yeah. So let me give you some sense of, you know, market size, the way it looks like today. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, I'm talking of only offline channel, I'm talking of only offline channel, which is through DSAs. I'm not even the complete offline, only DSA channel. Okay. So India, in India today, there is disbursement of $230 billion uh, of loans 
through DSAs every year. Wow. In top in top 20 cities, this number is close to about $47 billion. So that's the kind of market size we are talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, $46 billion of disbursements uh, happen through uh, close to about uh, 20 odd thousand channel partners who are active. But actual channel partners run into hundreds of thousands. And these channel partners are people may not be uh, a full blown DSA, maybe an insurance agent who's uh, sourcing leads, maybe a chartered accountant who actually is approached by the customer to help him with the loan, or -hmm. could be a property dealer who who's approached by the customer who's buying a home or or formal DSAs. So -hmm. these are these are all our channel partners, if you look at it. So now the the market size is so huge uh, that, you know, the potential for many such lending platforms to exist and thrive is quite there. And this market is growing at about 47% year on year. Mm-hmm. So this has been growing at about 47% year on year. Uh, that's the CAGR that we have looked at. So now today, we have we started this entire thing just about uh, nine months back in the month of December, Jan, we started. And we have had a, a active, seamless run for about four or five months. Given the COVID time, everything was not... There was nothing which was active practically. Mm-hmm. So we already have about 5,000 DSAs. We are already working with about 45 lenders. We do a disbursement of uh, close to about, it's little less than 200 crores a month mm-hmm. is what we do disbursement. And this is all in Delhi NCR. Okay. Now this is, this is all only in Delhi NCR. We haven't yet expanded to other cities. By the end of this year, which is, mm-hmm. sorry. No, no, please go ahead, please go ahead. Mm-hmm. By the by, the end of this financial year 22, uh, we should be present in uh, four metros, which is Delhi, Bombay, Hyderabad, and Bangalore. Uh, and we should be working with at least about 12,000 DSS with about 60 lenders, with integrations done with close to about technical integrations done with about 15 lenders. Wow. Uh, that's very impressive, Lalit. And in terms of um, the 200 crores disbursement, uh, so what sort of categories you have seen broadly? Uh, you know, uh, insurance, home loan. So right now we service five products. We service loan against property, uh-huh. home loans, personal loans, gold loan, and unsecured business loans. So we haven't yet started insurance and uh, credit cards, which is yet uh, to start. So uh, if you look at... Uh, here we do the major category today for us is home loans is the biggest category and the second biggest is loan against property. And the reason for that is these are the most complex products. Once you have sorted these products, other products are more like, you know, far more easier. So we wanted to make sure that we eat the frog first. Uh, we kind of, you know, make sure that we uh, we crack the most difficult piece first. So that's, that's what we are working on cracking or we have, we think we have, done a lot of cracking and still there is some some few things to be done uh, but yeah these are the two biggest categories and the next biggest category is going to be personal loan okay uh, we have talked about in terms of the growth and the opportunity you know the rosy side of the story what mm-hmm. what is your take on what's your understanding operating in this segment what are the most challenging aspects uh, while building such application uh, such platforms so I think building this platform or application is not the biggest challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest challenge is uh, it's, it's it's like changing the market. It's like you know the, the whole uh, the quantum that you are going to impact, the scale at which you are going to impact, is about you know uh, is huge. It's mammoth. Uh, so you are talking of you know changing lives of twelve thousand DSAs, which means close to about twenty five odd thousand people. On the DSA side, you're talking of changing uh, 70 or uh, 60 odd lenders in one year. Their way of working is changing, and within those lenders, there are hundreds of people working in on each with each lender. You're changing all of that. So I think platform is not the most difficult thing to build or to kind of you know uh, create or to optimize. The challenge is that you have to kind of change the habits of everyone who's involved in this entire process, which needs uh, a lot of perseverance, a lot of sweat, hard work to be out there. 
mm-hmm. which needs a lot of uh, although this sounds completely digital the platform is completely digital but this entire changing the changing the behavior that is not digital digital only plays a small role in there you can you know you can play a little role but you got to coach people you got to yeah. train people so it, i think that's the biggest uh, challenge it's it's something you know when you're trying to do a large impact the of course you know it's never easy it's never easy uh, and initially it's not zero one game that you know till now it was all physical and one day you'll come and switch on the button and it will become digital it's not going to be that way mm-hmm. so there is a journey from zero to one and that journey from zero to one needs whole lot of perseverance whole lot of investment it needs uh, it 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 makes you see uh, many failures uh, in the short run which take you back to the product uh, blueprint and you change that mm-hmm. so i think this entire cycle this entire journey of zero to one is something which is uh, which itself is a uh, difficult because the, the whole idea is that by changing 20 or 50 or 100 dss the impact is going to be near zero hmm. so you have to change 25000 dss you have to change 12000 dss uh, so the, the journey is slow the journey is slow and journey is tiring that's that's hmm. the most difficult part so what you're saying lalit is i mean longer sales cycle lot of uh, footwork to be done by sales team to onboard um, all, all these lenders dsa i can imagine i mean uh, uh, i would say longer adoption cycle i would long. just want to uh, mm-hmm. sales cycle is not long at all sales cycle is quite uh, quite quick mm-hmm. uh, but for a for anyone to realize the roi on the platform or that's not even roi for the channel for the channel to leverage the best of digital so if you look at you know we buy iphone but we barely use 20% of iphone mm-hmm. or 10% of iphone we don't even know features of you know the phone features that are there in the phone we we most of us not, don't even know that so same is a the case there also so platform offers you know tons of value adding features but for people to start adopting those value adding features and actually start benefiting uh, in terms of faster growth much greater customer experience much much kind of you know wowed customer experience uh, is something that is time consuming um, interesting so where do you where do you see um, um, the segment moving forward i mean in terms of let's say next 5 year 10 year i mean what will be the next phase assuming all uh, all these people uh, all the lenders tsa um, you know are able to leverage technology the digitization phase is over where do you see the next phase of growth will come in? so let me pick up you know two thoughts here the first one uh, we are today what is happening is that you know we are today making the best possible digital technology that is available to the largest of the lenders same technologies being made available to the dss in terms of onboarding in terms of apis in terms of access to data in terms of ai ml uh, the best possible technology is what we are striving to make that available to the dss so now that means we are making them uh, worthy of competing with any fintech uh, if it is to kind of if it is to be seen as competition in terms of sourcing uh, we we are making them worthy of competing with any bank branch they should be pretty much as efficient as any bank branch they should be uh, efficient pretty much like you know any fintech which is doing much larger business we want to kind of be having these 25000 fintechs uh, those who are able to do digital business and but also offering a great relationship to the customer which fintechs may not be able to do so today if you look at you know let's let's understand you know some of the things some of this entire aggregation that has happened in the world uh, already so uh, let's look at two examples one is uh, let's say something that udan is trying to do for retail mm-hmm. Uh, or let's say what zomato did for restaurants mm-hmm. if you look at zomato made uh, the best possible operations and technology both to restaurants and the reach of restaurants was uh, like in a in a in a very short span the reach of restaurants was more like you know far larger or far farther than what they had when they were only physical right so today a restaurant which may not even have a physical space in a commercial area is competing with any fine dine restaurant they are able to do that because of zomato swiggy right so if you look at uh, 
that's one kind of you know uh, change that we have seen in the industry on the other side if you look at uh, only technology only platforms like shopify Mm-hmm. which is able to kind of convert any offline retailer into a online retailer very quickly so the moment if you look at both these examples whether it's zomato or it's odan or it's shopify the whole idea is that you know you are empowering the 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 kind of user or the partner of the platform to kind of grow much faster now that growth could be uh, some of the if you look at you know, some of the restaurants on zomato would be something like fresh menu or something mm-hmm. like you know boxed mm-hmm. you know those people they 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 did not stop at having one restaurant or one outlet they grew to become national chains on zomato uh, and they do have their own platform as, as well but mm-hmm. zomato gives them access uh, to kind of you know the pretty much entire country to kind of uh, serve their food uh, similarly uh, when you look at shopify like thing um the retailer who was serving only one geographically limited area is now able to serve a pretty much entire country so now the growth or the possibility of the growth is totally on the aspiration uh, and you know uh, what is a kind of aspiration that each channel has we would want to kind of convert each of these dss into a fintech and make them a bank branch so we would want that you know our dsa acts as a bank branch anything that you want to do with the financial services world you visit a dsa and you're pretty much done whether you want to buy insurance you want to uh, kind of buy a loan you want to buy mutual funds or you want to kind of get some service or open a current account or savings account you should be able to do all of that uh, at a dsa location uh, and dsa should also be able to kind of give you advice should be able to strike a relationship with you should be able to give you a personalized service that's that's very interesting lalit and the way you explain i think it made lot of sense and uh, uh, you know cleared many doubts you know how this sort of entire segment i i do understand technology but not very much anything related to finance uh, so uh, always fascinating to understand uh, one thing i was reading so couple of questions um, so uh, i think it was last week or 10 days back i was reading uh, one of the articles and it's it mentioned you know uh, what fintech companies have seen especially in the lending space i mean uh, giving credit um, is the easiest task right um, so just um, looking at a little macro picture here. so um, mm. lending and giving credits is easier but what they realized was i mean all the top 3 top 4 top 5 um, fintech company um, um, recovery or uh, you know um, uh, getting the money back the recovery rates are not as uh good or as easy as it seems so that is the other side in terms of uh, i'm not too sure uh, so if you have some thoughts you know in that particular space what's happening in the second point i want to second um, question i want to have your opinion on so there has been many platform which has come into the picture for example where they promise 4 minutes 5 minutes 10 minutes within x minutes you know you can get the uh, loan approved etc etc is it a good thing or a bad thing because i'm from i am little skeptical from technology side i mean sure technology can uh, make the decision faster machine learning can do the things but uh, there is the aspect of overfitting or if i can say so you know false positives or um uh, things impulse which buying. yes yes impulse buying there are many factors right so uh, what are your comments and thoughts on these two different scenarios um, uh, asking from a completely uh, layman uh perspective it doesn't sound like a layman by the way ashish <laughs> <I have>, zero <laughs> clue <laughs> so I, i think you are absolutely bang on you know the whole idea of the first thing first point that you made uh i think recovery is the is the biggest issue the biggest issue is not this kind of you know distributing money the biggest issue is recovery collecting money and kind of you know collecting money in a way that you don't end up spoiling your relationship with the customer and you're able to give money again to the customer so you don't want to run a, a shop which is more like a, a more like a policing thing and <laughs> distribute money and then you recover money once and then you lose the customer forever true so that's that's the whole point so let's let's look at you know the problem is absolutely bang on that's the biggest problem but let's go to the history a little and see uh, who has been successful in recovering money 
let's try and understand let's look at the recovery rates or npas of the lenders who have been uh, lending money for so many years so if you look at the uh, i don't want to name companies but if you look at sure. uh, the use cases that at least we have seen mm-hmm. the companies those who have had great relationships on the ground whether mm-hmm. it's through branches or through their sales people have been able to contain their defaults mm-hmm. they have been able to kind of you know uh, contain the so there are two ways in which the defaults can be contained or the entire npas can be controlled one is structurally you solve this problem that you know the incentive or the temptation to default is minimized <clears throat> <clears throat> pardon me but to structurally change the entire because that's a societal change that's a industry wide change it takes time that's it's not true. happening anytime soon all countries are trying to do that uh, china is trying to do that through social monitoring involving society in monitoring the defaulters uh, some other countries are trying to do it in very different ways but if you look at you know this this problem was solved by microfinance world by creating joint liability groups hmm. where what you did was that you know uh, if i default there are 10 or 20 other people who suffer and second i have a reputation loss Correct. in the society mm-hmm. so that's how it was controlled earlier mm-hmm. so now one is that structural change and second is till the time that structural change happens you have to do it at a micro level which means you need to make sure that the relationship with the customer and you have a way to reach to the customer you have a way you need to have a way where customer wants to face save a face with somebody mm. if he defaults mm. right so if you don't have that then the entire temptation and incentive to default is quite high because the entire judiciary or the entire legal process to recover money is neither efficient nor return on investment is worth it so and that that's not even you know fast enough for uh, any company to survive and rely on that mm-hmm. so till the time the structural change happens uh, all this physical world of channel branches and your sales people will have to exist this will have to exist because this this channel not only plays a role in distributing money these channels play a role huge role in collecting money as well so that's the reason we say that you know the real rea- reality of the world or the best of the world is when you are able to offer efficiencies of digital but you are still able to offer a relationship oriented mechanism absolutely a mechanism which is which is digital uh, digital not from the process standpoint the process is completely digital but the relationship relationship is still part of the value chain your connect face to face connect or reputational loss uh, or your ability to reach out to the customer or your ability to kind of you know drive to the customer home is still there so i think the reality till the time the structural societal change happens the reality is going to be more digital the process being digital but the relationship being uh, connectedness the relationship being as part of the process so i think that's how we look at it so since uh, that is the and that's that's the reason for our belief in channel to exist for long term and that's our reason to uh, believe in channel to add a lot of value beyond uh, only distributing money i think so that's that's, an, that's my take on the collection yeah, part yeah that that i think that's an excellent point because it will be you know both has to be in sync and will be coexisting at the end of the day because you know uh, and it is so not i would also want to draw a simile mm-hmm. i would also want to kind of you know draw a... so imagine you know my my let's say my father or my mother mm-hmm. uh even though they like to go to a great mall which offers them variety which offers them you know uh, a great ambience which offers them best of the technology system and a invoice on sms they like all of that mm-hmm. but they are they are still very comfortable walking up to the store nearby and you know uh, talking to him Uh, and they're all but they would want the best of the both worlds imagine if that store nearby is able to give them a variety is able to give them that experience of digital and uh, ability to kind of the best price uh, and still offer them that experience of buying still offer them that experience of connecting with the people i think True. that's the best for them 
I think that's very very true. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because ultimately, if you can have a face to it at the end of the day, um, uh, same. I think everyone can relate to it. I think uh, that some people are very much comfortable at that particular scenario. I don't know if you look look at the entire social media, entire technology is trying to kind of you know remove the face from the <laughs> transaction. Somebody has to do the job of keeping that face. Absolutely. Uh, at think, the end of the day, we are all emotional, emotional <laughs> beings. I don't know. Uh, emotional beings would love to connect with people. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I think and COVID only exact, you know, sort of uh, accelerated that need. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> true. So there was a second point that yes. you made. Uh, can you please repeat that point? Yes. Sorry, yes. I'm like getting old and... <laughs> no, no. So the second point was in terms of uh, uh, the technology which is promising uh, to, yeah. for example, no, yeah, uh, five minutes, yeah. ten minutes. Uh, what do you think of that particular, you know, what's your perspective? So if you look at you know, the whole idea is that when you are lending or when you are taking a loan, if the purpose is something which is value adding, where is that mm. loan going to be used? What is that loan going to be used for? actually decides uh, two things. One, whether the consumer of that loan is going to progress or he's going to kind of, you know, go uh, downward in his life. And that same thing also decides what are the chances of repayment. So this entire purpose of loan uh, is a significant driver for the repayment itself. So now if the purpose of the loan is absolutely clear and known, and it is the purpose is to kind of, you know, do something which is going to help me grow my business. Then I think five minute loan is a great thing. Mm-hmm. We should have a, a one minute loan. Why even five minute loan? Mm-hmm. And today technology supports all of that. But imagine on the other side, uh, when you are giving out these five minute loans, uh, not knowing the purpose, not knowing what this loan sure. is going to be used for. Then two things are definitely, there are there is a chance. I'm not saying that in all the cases or in majority cases, I don't mean that. But what I mean is there is a chance that this money is going to be used for something which may not be good for the consumer, may not be good for society or whatever, right? I don't know what this money is going to be used for. This money is going to be used for uh, buying something which is illegitimate, which is uh, illegal, I don't know. Uh, whether this money is going to uh, go down for betting or it's going to go down in a casino, I don't know, right? Uh, So, and if you are doing that five minute loan in that kind of scenario as well, then I think we are, we are doing damage to the society more than the company or the business. True. The entire damage to the society is far larger. So I think five minute loan in itself is not a bad thing. That's, that's great. That's great enabler uh, for businesses to grow. Imagine, you know, you're in a hospital mm. and, you know, there is a there is a dire need for money. If you don't get money in five minutes, then, you know, that money is not even worth it. Mm-hmm. Because th- that's the, so now that, that's the, or you have a payment to make to your supplier uh, because prices are increasing and you're placing an order uh, and the price is increasing by 10%. So if you're able to get that money in 5% if you're able to place that order, then you know you are able to grow your business by 15% because the loan the interest that you pay on loan for 6 months is maybe just about 5%. So if you look at the purpose actually decides uh, whether the the loan 5 minute loan is a great thing or not so great thing. So technology uh, the ability to lend in 5 minutes ability to make a decision in 5 minutes is wow and great. Yeah. But the the intent with which the companies are serving the customers they being conscious about it, bringing about the right education to the customer, trying to know what this loan is going to be used for and trying to kind of control the, the kind of disbursements in those scenarios is a much better thing to do. I think that that is, I would call it more like responsible lending. So I think responsible lending for society, responsible lending for business, because uh, if it is irresponsible lending, then recovering money is going to be difficult and it's going to be True. causing wrong impact on the society absolutely i think um, i think beautifully explained and i think that's an extremely valid point uh, uh, technology i mean always has you know two sides of it uh, it 
you know we as business as an individual we have to be very careful uh, what are what is our intent and purpose and ultimately uh, that's what decide the uh, complete course or you know the complete action which we take um lalit i think thank you so much i can keep going on and on <laughs> the segment is so fascinating <laughs> uh, um but to wrap it up um you know um uh, you have been you know you have been an entrepreneur for more than a decade now i think that's a big accomplishment if i can say so right i mean um, doing the hard work <laughs> and uh, building a business i think i always look up to um, um, such individuals always because you have the first hand experience of how segments have changed and how things are moving um, you have the real hand experience of uh, the entire space so from your um, perspective and from your lens i wanted to know um in this your entire journey right um uh, if there were a couple of things uh, you wanted to do from scratch uh, what it would be from your all learning experience and everything you know you what you have seen in and out uh, building businesses uh, running multiple ventures um, uh, if you were given a chance you know to start again from scratch what would you have done differently the great So thank you so much for having that appreciation for entrepreneurs. So thank you so much. Uh, if I go back, let's say twelve years before we started Decimal, uh, and if I have a chance to make those decisions again, hmm. the only decision I would change uh, is that I would grow and make an impact at a faster pace than what we have done. I would do pretty much the same things again. I don't regret any of the things that we have done in last twelve years. whether in terms of building the organization uh, getting into a space and you know trying to solve the problems uh, real world problems which are being faced by industry or consumers or or like you know society at large i think one thing that i would want to change for sure is uh, build the organization for faster pace and larger impact than what we have done we have taken too long we have taken 12 years i would wish to do that in four years if i go back that's about it i think there's nothing else i would change <laughs> so that involves uh, raising capital early on that's what you are hinting towards yeah capital is always kind of you know one uh, one part of it capital is something if you want to grow fast you need capital yeah but i think the first and foremost thing is that uh, to to make that in, impact you have to kind of you know uh, you have to be what do you call uh, you have to move much faster things fall in place you know if you want to move faster for a uh, real purpose then things fall in place whether it's capital or people or organization everything falls in place but i think uh, the speed of the engine is the speed of the train so i think uh, probably i was a slower engine for like last first couple of years i need i need to be a faster <laughs> engine <laughs> wonderful uh thank you so much lalit for coming over and sharing all these um, insights and your knowledge uh, really appreciate i think uh, all our listeners will also will uh must have enjoyed this episode and i'll definitely forward any questions which will be coming uh and yeah thank you so much lalit for your time thank you ashish great talking to you thank you so much Thank you for listening we will be back with another episode of Blitz Business stay tuned